Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hello, and welcome to the Dream Factory, the world's greatest user-generated movie creation podcast. The rules are simple. No, I'm not going to keep it up. I'm not going to keep it up. You'd stop listening. (laughs) We can discuss as many ideas as we like, but only one idea can be taken to the next stage, where the winner will be given to a student in an American high school, and it will then be folded and scrunched up and thrown across the class, but it will miss its intended target and hit the teacher in the back of the head. The teacher will turn around, ready to scorn. They'll unscrunch the paper, ready to read out the note to embarrass the people that threw it, but they'll see the film idea on it and be so blown away by it that they'll immediately give them an A-plus and a scholarship to an Ivy League college, which are words I don't understand. I am Joel, a man who puts the saint into sunstroke, and across from me is John Harris, a man who recently spent 50 grand on cabinets from Wayfair.com. Hello, John. Hello. I don't get that reference. What What have I done? Google it later, John, and then you'll find out what I've accused you of. Okay. Very nice. It's the Pizzagate guys, they've got a new conspiracy. Oh, And it no. involves furniture store Wayfair.com. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just for the record, I'd like to say that I, I'm not aware of John's internet spending habits. I can only hazard educated guesses. Right, should we do some film ideas? Here's one from Tim, The Big Mermaid. Tim! A- Ariel is 100 feet tall. Tim! It's like, it's like the film The Meg with Jason Statham, but instead of a giant shark, it's just a, a giant mermaid. Well, I'm on board with that. Uh, what, Tim? Is that more this... terrifying than a giant shark? If, um... if, if you saw a human face that was like 100 foot, you'd be more scared, would you? Yeah, and she's like animated Disney style, so it's not like a hu- it's not like a big human face. It's like a big cartoon face. That's terrifying, absolutely yeah. terrifying. And also, the arms are going to be so useful, right? You know, here's what I've always thought about sharks: obviously terrifying, but I've got the upper hand when it comes to thumbs. But if you're up against a giant mermaid, they've got the speed of the fin, you know, but also the adaptability of the thumbs. They can just grab you. Does she still They're not love- solely reliant on the mouth as a catching mechanism, is what I'm saying. So if a 100-foot mermaid is descending on a beach, sure, their mouth's agape and they're swallowing people left, right and centre. But also bear in mind, they've got two arms there to sweep people up with as well. Yeah, you're right. I think, we. I mean, hands has been a real benefit for human beings. We've really punched above our weight with these hands. 
literally. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah, exactly. Hands are really useful. Hands are the only reason that you know we're we're able to to do what we do, and and they're also the only reason that sort of sharks aren't standing for local government. Exactly. Well, they say that dolphins are as intelligent as humans, but they don't have hands. That's what they say. That is what they say. <laughs> also, they would. Uh, they genuinely say if dolphins had hands, they would be handsy. That's what I've heard. If dolphins had hands, there'd be four of them in the cabinet. <laughs> is Ariel going to fall in love with Prince Eric? Yes. So. Yeah, but he's six foot tall, standard guy size, and he and so falls he- in love with it. A hundred foot mermaid. They're still falling both in love with each other. Eric's not going to decide to be scared. No, because he can see past the uh, thousands and thousands of lives that she's taken to the innocent mermaid beneath. And she comes onto land, turns into a hundred foot human, and they have just a pretty standard relationship. You know, obviously there's some factors there with one being six foot and one being a hundred foot. Um, I can't really remember what happens in The Little Mermaid, and then she has to go back to the sea. Also, in this one, Sebastian's 100 foot as well. <laughs> what about Flounder? So, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure I've seen The Little Mermaid, because people were joking when the statue was thrown in uh, in the sea in Bristol that, you know, mermaids are going to fall in love with a slave trader, and I didn't get that reference, because I didn't realise she falls in love with the statue of Eric first. Does she? That's what someone told me. Oh, I always thought... Maybe he was on a boat. I always thought, here's what I genuinely thought. I thought he was on one of those glass bottom boat tours. Yeah. And he had a real fascination with fish. Mm. And so he was really sort of laying face to the glass to get as good a look at the fish as possible. And Ariel swam up. And they were like, it was like that bit in Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann film, where they look at each other through the fish tank. That's exactly what I thought it was. Well, it sounds much more romantic than the Disney version, Joe. That's all I have you ever Have you ever been on a glass bottom boat? No. No, me neither. Would you like to? Because mm. I've got two tickets, baby. Once <laughs> social distancing is over. It's on the Thames. Oh, I'm not sure you'll see a lot. I'd love it if we went on a little glass bottom boat. Yeah, all right, we'll do that. When, How when big... This... The problem is, when I hear the words glass bottom boat, I'm imagining like the entire bottom half of the boat is glass, but I know it's just a little window. I know I'll be disappointed. <laughs> You think you'd watch people, like, you'd see it, see it going past and you'd see the people's legs and they're sat, the benches yeah. are glass as well, like... Exactly. Of course that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> it's like those ice cafes or bars. You know how at Winter Wonderland every year there's, like, a bar that's all made of ice? Yeah. I imagine just a boat entirely made of glass. You'd, you'd look out to sea and there'd just be people floating. You'd think, what are they on? And it's just that the boat's made entirely out of glass. I'm on it. Let's do it. Let's, let's, cool. let's make that business a thing. Right, what about this one from Big Rock Creative, Raveheart? Good. What genre? They may take our lives, but they'll never take our drum and bass. Yeah. I think Scotland, maybe maybe Trainspotting has done this to me, but in my head, Scotland is quite a ravey place. Yeah, it's, it's the Northern European heart of rave. I'd say so. <laughs> That's what they're saying. What genre is the anti-rave genre? What's the genre that they're fighting against? They are fighting against um, the Proclaimers. Oh. But it's difficult to have them as the villain of the piece. I'm not going to lie. That's going to be hard to... Because they're Scottish. It's just going to be hard to get the audience against the Proclaimers. Who are the most English band? Mumford and Sons. (laughs) (laughs) That that was so quick and it's the perfect answer. (laughs) 
and and they're quite good to play. Like they ease, they could easily play take the role of villains. They are no offense, guys, but they're very like quite Evil. easy to hate. No, yeah, <laughs> I just think they would be easy to be turned into villains. So I quite like that. So it's it's the Scottish Ravers against the British folk artists. That's great. That's a lot of fun. I think I imagine the folk scene. I imagine there's quite both quite drug heavy scenes. You know. If, Different Diff- vibes, of course. But Different that's types pro- of drugs. And then they mix them all together and they make a super drug and, and open the r- shop super drug. And they make folk rave and it <laughs> sweeps the nation. And every venue now adopts folk rave because it's the, it's the greatest genre we never knew we needed. Well, isn't, um, oh, isn't that song, you know, like, so wake me up when it's all over. That's kind of like yeah. country rave, isn't it? It is. So we're only. Uh, what you're saying is we're only currently one step away from folk exactly. rave. I tell I'm you, into it, Joe. I I was listening to the radio the other day, and you know how like there's a trend of getting really retro songs and just putting a donk on it. Like there's a version of Fast Car. Yep. I had one of Top Loader dancing in the moonlight. No way. I promise you. Donking in the moonlight. <laughs> I honestly I couldn't believe it. it made me feel so old because that's not to me that's not that old a song for them to put. A donk to me, on. that's one of the. That's one of the hip new songs. <laughs> so, yeah. That, I had the Top Loader album. Imagine <laughs> that. That existed. I, I, Top Loader played at uh, uni when we were at uni. They played at the Attic in Kent. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. I imagine it was... Do, do they open and finish with Dancing in the Moonlight? They must do. They must do. I've got a friend that saw Wheatus and they did Teenage Dirtbag three times. You've got to, though. You've got to give the crowd what they want. And the crowd is one, one song. You, what is that? You open with it, you end with it, and then it's also your uncle. <laughs> we us can also have their cover of A Little Respect, because that is very good. That is good, yeah. I also had the Wheatus album. <laughs> I think I had the Wheatus. I think the Wheatus album was pretty similar. One of the great albums. <laughs> it's on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums, I think. In in that kind of zone, I of one-hit wonders from when we were like young teens, I and I genuinely still vouch for it, is the Alien Ant Farm first album. Yeah, they didn't just cover Michael Jackson. They did some great songs. Movies. I think. I think if I was to surprise you with three albums, I had it would be Top Loader album, the Wheatus album, and also Sean Paul Dutty Rock. <laughs> Does it still Dutty Rock to this day? It never stopped. <laughs> it's the duttiest rock. <laughs> Dutty Rock. Dutty Rock studio album by Sean Paul, released twelfth of November two thousand and two. It features. Get Busy, massive tune, and Baby Boy with Beyonce. So that's not his first album. Unlike, like his... unlike Glue, and I'm Still In Love With You. Hang on a minute, I'm not embarrassed about this album. This might be the best <laughs> album I've ever bought. My, my music taste might have peaked on the 12th of November 2002. <laughs> 18 years, that that album can purchase alcohol. Give Me The Light? Give Me The Light, it's a banger. Yeah, this is one of the great albums. <laughs> Rolling Stone have got a lot to answer for. All Music, four stars. Blender, four stars. LA Times, two and a half out of four. Now, four out of five. Pitchfork, 7.8 out of 10. Q, four out of five. Rolling Stone, two out of five. Get fucked, Rolling Stone. Get fucked. I don't want... If a Rolling Stone offered us a cover, John, I'd turn it down. <laughs> or I'd demand that Sean Paul was also in the photo. <laughs> With like a retractment of their album review. In his yeah, sense. I... Uh, yes, you can feature John and I. You know, <laughs> it's it's you or time this month that we've got to choose between. But you will have to revise your 2002 review of the album Dutty Rock. <laughs> I don't want any fee. 
I just demand a revision of the album, Dutty Rock. And like every question they ask us in the big feature interview, you just return to how great an album Dutty Rock is. <laughs> I think I think we're inspired to make the Dream Factory <laughs> podcast <laughs> by the musical output of uh, Sean, Paul, Ryan, Francis, Henriques. Wow. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Right. What about this one from friend of the show, Stu? Spider-Man into the Spider-Hearse. Age 90. Oh, that's sad. That's really sad. Age 90. It wasn't Doc Ock that finally rids New York of our friendly neighborhood webhead. It was the sands of time. Oh, my God. Isn't there a baddie in Spider-Man that is based around sand? Sandman. <laughs> yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> Sandy boy. Sandman of time. The uh, sands look- of time. Look, I'm not. There is no disrespect to like Jack Kirby and Stanley and all that stuff. They what they did was amazing. However, there was a period of time in the 50s and 60s where you could point at an object and say "man," and that was a superhero. <laughs> yeah, who's your favourite? Lamp Man, Lamp Curtain Man. man. Lamp, Curtain Man's good. I do remember that. Yeah, Curtain Man is a short run in Marvel, but Marvel have made so many films now that they will have to go back and give Lamp Man a five film deal. Isn't there Captain Britain? You never hear about Captain Britain. I f- he's just too Brexity, isn't he? It is quite Brexit, isn't it? It's Tommy Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think right now Captain Britain is what is what the world needs. No, no, that's fair play. I, I'll allow that. Do you um, think? <clears throat> I think that would be Spider-Man would win, and the villain. Like, I don't think villains want just want Spider-Man dead. They want to have killed Spider-Man. So if. If he just dies of old age, they've lost, right? They'd all be at the funeral, feeling really sad. Yeah, because yeah, I... kind of they kind of lose their MA, don't, MO, don't they? That you know, that's what do they have to do now? Yeah, well, you know, that's what they say about the Batman Joker thing. Is he's not really, he doesn't really want to kill people or cause chaos. He just wants to hang out with his best mate Batman, and that, the way that he does that is by being a dick. Yeah, we've all it's got kind of like our relationship. Well, we've all got friends like that. Um, I wasn't going to name them, but yeah, I guess if you want to say that. Wait, who's <laughs> who's this? Who's the person who's a dickhead just to hang out with the other one? Moving on. <laughs> what about this one from friend of the show Tom Peter Rabbit Pan? Okay, is are we cooking uh, him in a big pan? Well, it's Peter Rabbit and Peter Pan. <laughs> We're not just chucking Peter Rabbit in a pan. Oh. I know you know you're out in the country right now. You're more into that. It's a game, a bit of delicious game. The French eat a lot of rabbit, I think. Um, one of my mates in a country pub once asked about uh, the game pie and said, so what What exactly is a game? Thinking it was just a, a creature. Oh, no. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? That is yeah. good. Peter Rabbit Pan. So it's Peter Pan, but he's a rabbit. And the Lost Boys, they're all Rabbits. little bunnies. <laughs> uh, Wendy's a fucking rabbit. Okay. Um, you know the name Wendy was invented for that book? What? Yeah. The name that's, Wendy didn't exist. That's great. I like that. That's mm. a great fact. Top fact. See, edutainment. Although, Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're confirming there's edu. I'm not sure the attainment part's been confirmed quite yet for this episode. Um, I'm pretty sure the Dutty Rock chat will get us a nomination <laughs> at the British Podcast Awards next year, John. <laughs> Actually, 
yeah, let's just keep describing uh, characters from Peter Pan as rabbits and see how how long that. Captain Hook, he's rabbit. a rabbit. Who's the, the crocodile? The crocodile is a rabbit. rabbit. <laughs> he swallowed a clock. Who's the other one that Captain Hook hangs around with? I'm not sure. In my head, I was thinking Doc, but that's that's one of the seven dwarfs, isn't it? That's one of the seven dwarfs, but also they're a rabbit. There's uh, there's another. There's one of the other pirates. Pirates, <laughs> pirates is quite famous. Right. What uh, what's a Peter Peter Rabbit element of this? I don't really remember much about Peter Pan from my childhood. Peter Rabbit, sorry. He's a bit of a dickhead. He tries to muck up a farmer's garden. Is Peter Rabbit a bad guy? Yeah, I think Peter Rabbit's one of those ones that, like, as you get older, you realise that the farmer's just trying to do his job and he was... Like Holden Caulfield in Catcher in the Rye. Peter Rabbit's very similar, is he? When you're a teenager, you can really identify with the character of Peter Rabbit. Yeah. But as you get older and revisit it, you think, this Peter Rabbit guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He thinks he's got all the answers. Yeah. Uh, Right, should we move on or have you got some more Peter... Have you got some more rabbits that you want to talk about? Not really, mate. Jazz Jack Rabbit. Right, anyway... What about this one from Beck? Glad I ate her. Glad I ate her. Good. Okay. It's a cannibal who has a YouTube vlog. And he's happy. <laughs> he's really happy about it. Yeah. And he, well, Glad I ate her is kind of his shtick. But um, cooking YouTube, it's pretty big. It's been become pretty big in lockdown, you know, especially from, you know, where I'm concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm following, rec- John, I'm following recipes that I've seen on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Um. <laughs> I'm getting bored. I'm I'm ready to take it to the next level. And I want to know how to prepare human flesh. Well, you know, like, um, you know, Bon Appetit is like supposed to be like, you know, this super wholesome, lovely thing. And and recently it's it's been under fire for its racial representation and Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. in front of the camera and behind the camera. What if they just lean into it and just go, fuck it. We can't. We're going to go super edgy. We're bad guys now. Yeah, Yeah. we're cooking people. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but don't worry the people we cook will be divert from a diverse range of backgrounds have we spoken before about the most delicious part of a human so yeah we definitely have the bit of your fun what you- is this podcast <laughs> we've really spoken about that before yeah in lockdown Why, it's a fucking film podcast John. <laughs> at what point okay. at what point have you ever thought this was a film podcast i don't know there was a time when we spoke about the idea <laughs> Yeah, so it's about preparing people on YouTube and cooking them. And people follow along at home. Look, maybe you live in a flat and you're bored. You're getting really frustrated with your partner's annoying habits. And you think, I really just, I'm sick to the back teeth of them. I want to live alone. And you think to yourself, I'm going to cook them. What about- and the good thing about this vlog is they show you how that sort of no morsel gets wasted. So there's no evidence. Oh, okay. Now I'm mm. on board. What, what about the, what about, it's like an evil corporation, but they're doing like a, a meal, uh, like a, uh, I was going to, I want to say a name of a company, but I'm worried then it will make us, make me be somehow claiming that they're cannibal company. Say it. Like a HelloFresh style system. Like a, you know, they deliver you the raw ingredients. Oh, Joe's loving it. Like John, de- stop the, f- hold the front pages. Podcast claims HelloFresh serves human meat. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So there's this the delivery company, uh, unnamed. And, and you say- don't know what body part you're going to get. They don't well. They don't tell you what meat it is, and it's not till the end you find out it was human. But mm, twist. What's the giveaway? It tastes like no meat they've ever had before. And good, then, good. And then at the end, the big twist is they go, "Yeah, but it was." And then it's like the most evil person that's ever lived. <gasps> and then you're oh, glad no. I ate her. What a quandary! That's good. What a quandary <laughs> that is. Yeah. Could you eat a bad person? Tweet us. 
Would they taste worse? That's the next big question. Do good people taste better? Great question. Any cannibals listening? I'm sure there are. Let us know. <laughs> Especially after our last our last cannibal section. We're probably really big in the world of cannibals. If we came big, big in the cannibal scene, again, I'd lean into it. Wouldn't you? <laughs> How yeah. many cannibals do you reckon there are? Like in, in the UK right now, active cannibals. Do you think there are any? I have no idea. But say a number. Seven. <laughs> in the UK right now, seven active cannibals. Yeah. It's an interesting question. Like, is it actually a thing, cannibal? Like, not as in, you know, like tribal cannibalism or anything like that. As in, like, in the UK, in our in the year 2020, are there cannibals? Yeah, I don't know. Because, yeah, and all I... All that's coming into my head when someone mentions cannibals is definitely like absolute nonsense that kids told each other as teenagers and like just total stereotypes and madness. So yeah, I don't know. I doubt it. She'll, I, I, you doubt you doubt there's a single cannibal in the UK. You living in your little cotton wool wrap life, John. Get out of your bubble, mate. Get See out what's of your happening bubble. on the other side. Exactly. John, should we do our own film ideas? Yes, please. Here's mine. Dead Poets Society, a zombie film about William Wordsworth and Philip Larkin and all those guys. They all come back to life and try to eat the brains of uh, alive poets. Great. Well, right. About three quarters of the way through, they go to... Um, uh, who's the one with the big hair? Who's the current poet with the big hair that everyone loves? The punk poet. John Cooper Clark. They go to John Cooper Clark's and they get there and they're like, oh, he's already a zombie. We can't eat his yeah. brain. Yeah. <laughs> No offence, John Cooper, you have a very cool look, but it could be mistaken for zombie-like. Yeah, and I think he would admit that. Uh, yeah, so that's 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 a fun little twist about three quarters of the way through. Turns uh, out he knew all along, John Cooper Clark knew all along about the zombie uprising, and that's why he's been forging this vibe, this aesthetic for so long. Very smart. He's such a... Because he's the guy. one that, he's like, he's the one that can contact them from the other side. And that's how his poems are so brilliant because he channels them all. And he accidentally does some sort of... He thinks it's a poem, but it turns out it's some sort of summoning and all the all the dead poets come to life. Amazing. Yeah. And all of his shows are effectively seances. You, the audience just don't know. Perfect. Brilliant. That's quite good. Thanks, man. What's your one? Mark Hamilton. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. Uh, so, I don't know. how Star Wars, a Star Wars rap musical, maybe? I'm That'd into that. Um, That'd be great. Mark Hamill and Lin Manuel seem like their mates on Twitter, so I don't think this will be too hard to get sorted. You know, I you know it's just it's the buzz right now. People are talking about Hamilton, and people are talking are. about Mark Hamill. So <laughs> people love Star Wars, and people love Hamilton. I mean, and they all owned by Disney. Own both of them, yeah. Job done. Job done. Hamilton, yeah. everything on Disney. <laughs> e- yeah, everything. There'll on be Disney. a Marvel musical if Marvel are willing to give it to like more experimental directors. Eventually, one of them will just be a musical. Can you imagine the fans? Like, any sort of detail that deviates from source material and those fans go absolutely ballistic. Imagine if the next Guardians of the Galaxy was just a musical. That would be excellent. Hey, well, last week we suggested a Ghostbusters musical. Basically, going forward, it's all about musicals with us. We saw Hamilton. (laughs) That's what we're doing now. That's what we're doing. $75 million that cost disney to buy just to buy that copy of the film not like I'd, a DVD. I, I would i would have done it i would have done it for a lot less <laughs> alexander <laughs> hamilton see hmm? I bet if disney plus are listening to this they're cursing they're cursing <laughs> their luck i've done it as a one-man show over zoom for 50 quid 
God, they're feeling like right chumps right now. <laughs> well, there we go. Thank you very much for listening. If you have been listening, if not, you won't hear me saying this. Um, <laughs> do subscribe to the show. Give us some stars. Uh, but more importantly, send in some film ideas. Please. We're desperate for them. Desperate, desperate, desperate for film ideas. Uh, John, you were great. Thank you. You uh, were great too. Here's some music. Well done, John. Thank you very much. Post-match analysis. It was great. Yeah. Lots happened. Lots was said. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'd broadly agree with that. It, it had a breezy pace to it today, which I enjoyed. Oh, yeah. It won't be too much. No, right. Listener, normally when you listen to the 25-minute episode, we could have recorded for three to four hours. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, and then we, we pay someone to transcribe it. Um and then John and I would go through it with a fine-tooth comb and sort of remove, not even words, letters from <laughs> the audio. And then we listen to that audio and we memorise it and then we come back and we basically reenact it as a play. Actually, we record our parts separately. <laughs> but yeah, we do it as a play in the characters of John and John. Mm. Yeah. And there's a live orchestra performing the music every time. You're, if, you, if you've got a fine-tuned ear, you'll hear subtle differences in the music every week. <laughs> Yeah. And that's because it's done live. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. So tell your friends about the fucking podcast. We're putting in a lot of effort. Yeah. Most creative podcast at the British Podcast Awards next year. We just need to tell them what we're putting into this shit and they'll give it to us. They won't believe. Yeah. They'll they'll kick themselves. <laughs> um, I don't have anything to catch you up on, Joel. Uh, I've, just been at, I've just been at home home and we watched Hamilton this week, but that's about it. Alexander Hamilton. His name was Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, that's that's the one. I've been getting pretty into frozen berries, but that's about it, really. <laughs> Tell me more about the frozen berries. This is what the listeners want. I just can't stop eating them. and um, So I, I'm buying berries, and I'm freezing them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm buying them fresh, and I'm just sticking them in the freezer. And then they're, lovely, they're like a little, lovely little delicious pellet of fruit. It's really nice. Um and then we did the online shop and we bought already frozen berries. Yeah. And they're completely different. Better or worse? Worse. Yeah. I like to do my own freezing. <laughs> I had just... I had a system, I had it worked out. I knew I could control how long they'd been in there. I knew when exactly they'd be right. But when they've already come frozen, you don't know what the deal is and what temperature is the Tesco van. Yeah. You know? How many times have they been frozen and defrosted? You just don't want you don't want to let the man defrost your fruit. I've always said that. I'm a man of my own destiny. All I want is for the very natural process of blueberries to arrive from some far-flung country um, in a little punnet in my local Sainsbury's and then for me to walk them home and immediately freeze them. I've done it with grapes. I've not done it with blueberries before. I've never done it with grapes. You've frozen a grape? Yeah. Freeze What's a grape? that like? It's like a tiny little, a tiny little sorbet. Oh. Listener, what have you frozen? <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> What have you frozen? That's all I want to know. Tweet us at Dream Factory Podcast with the words "I've frozen" and then the thing. Don't just—I don't want. If you tweet at Dream Factory Podcast banana, we were like, "Is that a film idea? Is that a review? Is it a warning? Is it some sort of threat?" Yeah. Get the hashtag "I have frozen" trending. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, good stuff. Well done, John. Thank you. Let's let's leave it at that. Send the guys a movie idea. Tell your friends that you like the show. Follow us on social media. 
then you'll be the best listener.